Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Ning site or the Blog Talk Radio site, Please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you're experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Welcome, everyone, to a live Dharma Sunday for February 11th, 2018. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us this morning. Well, as I consider the date of February 11th, in a few days, uh, we have uh, celebrate Valentine's Day. And I was thinking, I just thought about it, you know, just now, but I said, oh, I should find out what the origin of that that holiday is is that celebrated internationally or is that american uniquely american holiday or does it you know have to do with saint valentine's maybe uh related to some historical uh, person uh a saint someone of the saints or something like this but i don't have time to do that so that's okay but and, of course, the more cynical and yet a grain of truth thing is that it's something emphasized strictly by the, the greeting card industry. Uh, but what I thought about why I'm mentioning bringing this up is the theme of love. And I read somewhere recently, there was a little blurb, in, perhaps in newspaper or something, that a certain language or culture had several hundred words for love. Um, and they didn't go, it wasn't an article, it didn't go into anything about this, but that means, uh, you know, this reminded me of the, uh, 
uh, theme or topic of the relationship between language and experience. And the role of language, how much does it shape our experience rather than the other way around? You know, rather than, um, in other words, consider in, in, in the English language how many words there are for love. You know, different words for love, not um, adjective, different adjectives in front of the word love, like romantic love, um, motherly love, brotherly love, but, uh, you know, different words. Um, if a language, if a, or consider this, um, if in the English language, now I don't know the answer to this, but how many, just in terms of the frequency or the, or the number of words, how many pleasant, emotional uh, words relating to emotional states versus negative, you know, state emotional states? How many words are there, positive and negative, for our feelings? I mean, if you consider that um, the number of words is, suppose there's a big disparity, big, you know, it's lopsided. What does that uh, suggest about that culture? And the, the uh, classic example is in the Eskimo culture, there are a lot of different words for different kinds of snow. You know, we, we don't have a lot of words for different kinds of snow. You know, we might say slushy, light, heavy, moist, or something, snow. But they have different words, not just, ad again, adjectives in front of the word snow. And, of course, this means that in the Eskimo culture, uh, different kinds of snow is important <laughs> to maybe for your survival. Okay. Uh, so it reflects the value or, you know, the importance of something in, in a culture, because then not only are there different words for snow in the Eskimo culture, but then they see, they're more aware of the different kinds of snow because they have different words for it. So if you, if a word, if, if a culture doesn't have a lot of words for love, well, maybe that important emotion doesn't have the nuances that it might have in another culture. Um, and so when we say experience, we mean how emotions. It means how you perceive things, okay? Um, and this reflects... Um, what might be called, um, well, Benjamin Worf was the, and they call this the Worfian hypothesis, was a linguist who proposed this hypothesis that language shapes experience. Uh, Sometimes I think this is called linguistic relativity model. Okay. And what comes first? The language, the words, 
or the experience. Okay. The strong Worfian hypothesis says, if your language doesn't have a word for that particular experience, you will not experience it. <laughs> okay. You only experience the things that you have language for. That's how dominant language shapes experience. Now, of course, this is a, a rhetorical question or, you know, uh, intriguing question that could lead to a lot of insights, but the question itself cannot be answered definitively. Okay, yes, language comes first. If you don't have a word for it, you cannot experience it. Now, maybe some linguist or psychologist can do some experiments that might suggest that or, or you know, qualify qualifications or under what conditions and all this kind of stuff. Okay. But isn't it interesting to think about right speech or, you know, our, the words we use and the words we use are shaped perhaps by the family we were raised in, the, the culture, huh? and so forth. And if we realize the importance of how our experience is shaped by language, uh, you know, that's a big, big awareness, you know. It could show us our biases. It could show us, you know, things that we think are true. What we say are true <laughs> is something that is a function of bias in our language. Okay? And we know that our ego causes us to use different words. And for somebody else, they might, the same, looking at the same thing, they might use different words. I remember an example like, um, you, uh, there's a, you're outside and a dog comes and jumps all over you. Okay, you know, some dog, you're just walking along. Um, and it matters whose dog it is. Okay. It's the same dog jumps on you. It's the same event, objective event that occurred. But how do you describe this event? of this dog jumping on you. Well, this, if it's your dog, you would say, hey, this, my dog's spirited. But if it's your friend's dog, okay, not your own, but your friend's dog, your friend, you might say, oh, this dog, is, is, is kind, he's kind of wild. But if it's a stranger's dog, so, oh, this dog is vicious. Okay, same behavior, exact same behavior, okay? But when it's close to you, you see it more favorably. When it has nothing to do with you or, you know, you say, and you don't like it, so wow, man, that's terrible, okay? Um, so I was thinking on Valentine's Day, we ought to think about uh, rather than when we think love, we just think of romantic, uh, physical love. Okay. Nah, at the most, we might think about motherly love, brotherly love, or, you know, love of family and of friends. Um, I don't know. I wish, I wish I could know it. If it was true that there was this particular culture that had several hundred words for, for love, yeah, I don't know where that comes from. It's not important, really. Uh, but... 
it's something to think about in terms of awareness. I mean, the fact that, well, it's okay. Different words are the words. Yeah, words are important, but if it affects your perception, how you see things, how you actually see things, and the emotions you have, all kinds of aspects of your experience, how you live every day, is being shaped or influenced by the language we use. Do you swear a lot? You know, this is something strong. I know that people, one fellow, he's a really nice guy, but he confesses that when he's driving, oh, he swears at other drivers really bad. And it's and that's terrible because he has two young kids, you know, what an example, role model for his young children, okay? And he knows this behavior and he doesn't like it in himself, but he... It's very hard to change. Okay. And I'm just as guilty. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's, okay. There's, that's a big topic. Huh? Language. Well, I want to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. Tamu Hoyo. Uh, she lives in Pennsylvania, and she was part of the LM5 group. So, let's here from Tamu Hoyo today. Thank you, Sensei, for inviting me here to share my Dharma glimpse. You know, as life continues to move forward, it leads towards a lot of time for self-reflection. And within that self-reflection, one of the things I notice is that I see sit back and it's like I see time in in the form of energy and that that energy ebbs and that energy flows so if you can visualize the energy like waves like the water of the ocean and your life being like the sand of the beach and seeing that energy coming up, you know, the waves are flowing, and then that energy flows back. And as I sit and I watch in my mind's eye the, the energy of my life as it ebbs and it flows, always within there I am trying to balance the dharma of my life. And in any given moment, that dharma of my life, what it is that is my mission, what it is I feel that I am supposed to accomplish, and also the dharma of seeing reality for what it is, as I attempt to bring it all into a balance, it's almost impossible because I'm either chasing the waves as they come up on the shore and then chasing the waves back out as I'm trying to pull that energy back in. And so I find for myself that in order to really truly get in touch with my personal dharma is to take time to sit in meditation and to reflect 
on my inner energy as well as how I allow that energy to manifest. And so I know that I sort of started this Dharma glimpse from the inside out. That in itself is also a Dharma glimpse because what I've learned through my own life is that there is nothing that I can truly accomplish outside of my inner being and my inner awareness unless I've first gone within and sat with it and sat with that inner energy, that inner awareness and figured out what it all is for me. And what once I've sat in that contemplation, in that state of meditation, I'm able to take it out to the greater world. So my Dharma glimpse today is about reminding not only myself, but sharing that with others that in order to deal with the constant change and the temporary nature of life, we must take time to sit with ourselves, to sit with our inner energy, to sit with our breath, And as we do that, we're able to connect with our own Buddha nature. And once we connect with that Buddha nature and find that inner balance, that inner harmony, then we're able to bring it out into the outside world. And then we go to sleep, we dream, we wake up, and we start all over again. And so it is within this Dharma glimpse that I am attempting to contemplate the constant change of our lives, the different stages that we go through, and the way our energy ebbs and flows. And through meditation, we're able to maintain a balance and to be in touch with our Buddha nature, which is never changing, which is that absolute ground of being. Thank you. It is my hope that you are able to extract a nugget from my Dharma glimpse. I wish you peace and great bliss. Keep going. Thank you very much. You know, when <clears throat> great teaching requires great listening. I I, I remember once uh, in our Dharma group, we at the temple, <clears throat> we were discussing. Someone said, "Oh, you." There was this article, and you know, it was a religious article. And it was very interesting, and so we started to talk about it, and and uh, <clears throat> I had some views on it, and then. I remember one person said, gee, I never, you know, you you relate to the article. Of course, every, you relate to the article. I never thought of those things, those ways. Well, when you think about it, that's, uh, you know, not surprising because we all have different backgrounds, okay? If there's an apple sitting there <laughs> and people are around looking at the apple, you know, uh, if you're real hungry, you're going to 
see that apple as something to eat. If you're a botanist or you're a farmer, you might them they bring their own experiences to it and experience the apple, perceive the apple in different kinds of ways. Um, and so this person was saying, oh, it's the same article, but you see all these teachings in it. Well, uh, in other words, any experience, any event, any occurrence, any situation has the potential to be full of teachings depending upon your inner awareness. The cult, you know, who you are, okay? I mean, if things depend upon what? Person, place, and time, right? Okay. We're talking right now about the, the importance of the person because they come with all kinds of experiences and backgrounds. So the more you're concerned with the value and importance or frequency that you experience with Dharma, okay, um, you know what, uh, wow, I think it was Paul Tillich that said, you know, define religion as what is of ultimate concern or value to a person. So if a person is really concerned, really concerned about money, well, that's the, where the phrase comes, money is his religion. Okay. Um, this is the whole sort of, I guess, what they called, used to call value clarification field or, or topic. The importance of clarifying your values, your priorities, okay? the direction of one's life, one's goals, one's expectations. How does one want to live? How important is that to you? Okay? This does take some kind of self-reflection. Okay? And sometimes if we're really aware, we could maybe rise above our own culture, go beyond our limiting aspects of language. Huh? We're aware of their influences. Okay. And so we try to go deeper, kind of go broader, kind of, okay. Uh, and then in the Dharma Glimpse, there was talk about balance. You know, um, harmony. Okay. But even the word, I had a epiphany. Okay. A nice insult, in, insult, uh, insight. <laughs> yeah, I insulted my intelligence by, okay, well, never mind. The word balance, even in its uh, physical sense or, or meaning, you balance an object, tip over, okay? Um, you might relate this if you wanted to, to the middle way. Okay, a balance between two two opposites. Okay, you got left and right, and you got the center. Uh, am I centered? Okay, that's a rah rah word when it's okay. instead of being scattered, I'm centered <laughs> or center within. Okay, balance. The epiphany I had was that. Um, I had a, a, a office mate in graduate school, you know, Joe. He, he, 
he was a person of many unique talents. One of them he just happened to demonstrate was that he could balance physical things, uh, all kinds of physical things on his head, on his nose, on his chin. You know, he could balance a pen, a ruler, a chair with one put one of the four legs of his chair right on on his chin and he would you know let go of the chair with his hands and he could balance the chair he could balance all kind of things okay on his forehead or something like this but what i noticed was the the technique to balance something like that so that it doesn't fall over is that you keep it moving you keep it moving around some kind of imaginary uh, invisible center. <laughs> I thought this was a profound epiphany because normally we would think of the center or the middle way or the balance center as something as a position, a stationary position right there, and it will stay still. But that's not how you balance things physically. <laughs> and I think that has implications for Balance in life, balance in, you know, psychologically, spiritually. When we talk about balance, it's a dynamic state. It's not a matter of finding the, some kind of a static middle position. And that movement is, is crucial. Okay. It's sort of like a top. How do you spin a top? How do you, you know, or, or hydraulic spinning thing? It's spinning. It looks peaceful or it looks still, like it's still. But it's dynamic, moving, okay? Tremendous rotation, whatever. Huh? Uh, this is, uh, so sometimes you might think a person, a great spiritual leader, you might think they're very calm. They don't have many strong feelings about things. But just because they're not yelling and, you know, they might still waters run deep or something like this. Huh? So we have to sort of re reevaluate how we express this kind of calm center as being very dynamic. Even we could use the word passionate and strong feelings about it. Okay. And how do you express those things? Whether it's just lashing out kind of negative emotion or whether it's really channeled or really, you know, focused like a, like a laser beam. <laughs> uh, is someone on a bucking bronco horse, he's in the saddle, but maybe he's just hanging on to the horn, saddle horn and not in, really in control. As a skillful rider, just because he's in knows he's in the saddle. Um, balance, very interesting word. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep balancing and centering, and you have a centered, centering day. Thank you. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.